Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Bookworm podcast. I am super excited that you guys are here. I have a guest you probably know who he is. You probably see us talk all the time on Twitter. And you're probably wondering, why is that dude back on the show? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I had I had some scheduling difficulties with my scheduled guest for today. And one thing that I can count on with today's guest is being able to ask him, hey, I got 15 minutes before I have to record. Can you come help me out? He's always willing to, to hop on spur of the moment, and it is absolutely fantastic. So I am thrilled to have Gabe Hargrave back on the show again. Um, I know you guys hear me talk all the time about not wanting to have a guest on more than once. But Gabe is, is my pinch hitter. He is, <laughs> he is the one that I can ask at spur of the moment uh, to hop on. So we are going to talk books. We're going to talk life. We're going to talk the lion and the dahlia. And probably everything else in between. So as usual, grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. And we're going to get started. What is that? I- I said that along with you. Like, I mouthed those words. <laughs> I think you've listened to the podcast for too yes. long, I think. <laughs> I did, however, I did mess it up because I started to say whatever is your jam. But then I remember that's not what you say on this show. <laughs> it's not what I say anymore. It, 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 it used to be. It, it used to be. But then... Yes. Um, I know I've explained... I know I've told this story before, but my friend Caroline told told me that she always uh, folds her laundry and like does her laundry while she's listening to the podcast. And so one day I just, you know, said, grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline, (laughs) as a a joke, because I knew she would be listening and I knew she'd get a kick out of it. And then I realized, hey, that rhymes. It's it's really fun. I love it. I think it's great. So it's going to be it probably my tagline forever um, yeah. or, you know, until Carolina and I are not friends anymore, which it's going to be on here forever. So yeah, I would say I just knocked on wood for you or until Caroline stops doing her laundry, I guess, which isn't going to happen either. So I, don't, I really don't <clears throat> see that. No. Either. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, I've got a service now for that. I send it out. <laughs> Then we will figure something <laughs> we'll out. Figure something we will out. figure something else out. <laughs> so hello. So, hello. So real quick, um, for the people who have not mm-hmm. listened to either of the other episodes, 
um, with you. And if you have not, then I will link them in the show notes because you totally should. <laughs> um, they're so much fun. Um, Gabe and I laugh pretty much constantly um, <laughs> whenever we chat and we can't ever seem to shut up. So mm-hmm. it's going to be super, super fun. And, um, but yeah, just real quick, yeah. just introduce yourself and um, explain what you write, why you write, and as usual, something that inspires you. Yeah, so uh, my name is Gabriel Hargrave. I go by Gabe usually. Um, it doesn't really matter, but uh, I just find that that full name very formal. Um, I am a queer erotic fiction author. I generally, most of my stuff is, is science fiction flavored. Um, I say flavored because it's not like hard sci-fi where um, you you feel like you're reading like a technical manual or anything. Um, but the the stories in my main series happen um, on some space stations about 150 years in the future, and uh, they uh, the the stuff that I write is extremely spicy. Uh, I'm very careful when I talk on this show about about what I what I write because I know that this is a family program um but we uh, both have to watch our language we have to watch our language so bad I've been so good I've been so I've been on your show more than twice because we did uh the episode with Alana McDougall's book I've been so good oh I'm so proud of myself I I think Um, I've screwed up more often than you have I think probably (laughs) Um, but so I, the, the reason why I write is, is kind of a big question. So I'll do the, the short version of it. Um, I, stories have always been sort of a thing for me ever since I was a kid. Like my mom was basically reading to me in utero. Um, I started reading very early and, and like from kindergarten, I knew like I wanted to be a writer. And then, uh, the, the pandemic happened and I had a lot of time on my hands and it had been about five or six years since I wrote and I went, you know what, I'm going to take this time. Like I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to, to do this. And so I, I, I started writing again. And the, the first thing that I was working on didn't really work out. Um, although I still have it, uh, kicking around and it's, it's not bad. It just wasn't the story I needed to tell at the time. Um, and so then I, um, I came up with this other character and I was like, Hey, I really want to, I want to, uh, uh, write this, this person's story. And, and the more that I wrote, the more I realized the reason why it had such problems in the past with finishing something and, and with, uh, like, uh, getting to a point where I felt like I was a good writer was because I wasn't writing the stories I was supposed to be telling, which are our stories of, you know, queer joy and and loss and love and and happiness and sadness and life, and uh, something that inspires me. Um, that's a good question. I um, I see a lot of people uh, these days who have kind of like we're all just really struggling like a lot and yet there are people who are still going out of their way to make sure that that the world is a better place and that like the problems that we're having get fixed and so like seeing people 
who who take it upon themselves to 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 do that to say hey yeah stuff sucks but like i want to do something about it um and and so i i kind of take that and and put it into the things that i do as a person because i don't have a lot of reach or influence i have like zero money so i can't do that but what i can do is is tell stories where you know people are taking a bad situation and doing something to make it better that's yeah that's um you know a lot of the reason why i do what i do you know why i do the podcast and the website and you know all of that is you know like you i don't feel like i have a whole lot of reach i don't feel like i have a whole lot of influence I think last week I mentioned, you know, I have a lot of influence with a few people, Mm -hmm. um, but I have very little influence on even more people. And (laughs) so I, you know, I focus on what I can do to make the world a better place. And I I focus on what I can do to cheer people up when I can, you know, because, yeah, the world sucks right now. It's, it's that idea of being a big fish in a little pond because I, I, I've mentioned before and, and in, on other podcasts that like what I write is actually pretty niche. Like it has a wide, it has a wide ranging audience. Like there's something for literally everybody in my work. But when you look at what it actually is, it is very niche. It's, it's, it's a genre blend, which, um, especially with, um, with uh uh like traditional publishing where they kind of push you into one box or the other like i'm self-pubbed and so i don't really have that um that limitation but in doing so like i i i cast a wide net but it's not easily marketable kind of a thing and so like I have a readership. I have fans who are, I hate saying fans. I have readers. I have readers who are are rapidly waiting for the next book. But I I'm not like a big, big, big name in I'm not a Katie Roberts or something like that. Well, and just so you know. As one of your rabid readers, um, <laughs> the last time the last time you were on the show, I had not had a chance to read your book yet, and I swore yeah. I would. Now I've read both of them. Yeah, I I will <laughs> say I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna finish what I was saying, but then I wanted to compliment you on something. Um, so what I was saying is like I I I'm a I'm a big fish in the sense that like I've made a name for myself, and and you is the same. We've made names for ourselves in a particular community Mm -hmm. but we have not yet broken out of that community and so we have influence over the people who who have found us and who enjoy us and and we do what we can to to make people's lives better and to to make people feel better and 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 i will say i do emotionally devastate my readers i'm not going to lie however (laughs) I, it's all in the name of, of eventually a, a big happy ending. 
Um, but no, I wanted to compliment you because you did keep your promise. You were like, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. And not only did you read uh, the first, but my first book is The Orchid and the Lion. Um, and, and Pam finally read it. And then immediately messaged me, went, I'm proofreading book two, right? <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it was super funny because the, the whole, the whole reason that you hired me to proofread book two was because when I was reading through book one, I came, across, <laughs> I came across one word. That was all it was, literally one word. Cause I'm going through the, the book and I'm like, this is fantastically edited. And this is, you know, and I come across one word where he, where Dorian, I think it was <clears throat> said, um, the safe, it was supposed to be the safe word and it was typed the safe world. And yep. I was like, and you know, I, I am one of those oddities that I am going to catch more mm. when I am like, <clears throat> excuse me, when I am reading for pleasure, um, which is why I, when I am editing for a client or something, I will, you know, I have trained myself to read for pleasure. I, I read it as if I'm reading the book because I catch more that way. Yeah. And so I, knowing you like I do, we've been friends for a long time and knowing you like I do, I'm like, he's gonna wanna know. <laughs> there's there's yeah. no, there's no place in this world that he's not gonna wanna know. No, and especially because so I, I took a screenshot of it and, and sent it to you. I'm like, I don't think you meant this right here. <laughs> and I, so that was what, you know, basically got me the job to to proofread book two. So, <laughs> yeah, because I, I I will admit that I self edit uh, because I am an editor. Like I, I do that as as one of my jobs. And I am also a poor boy. Nobody loves me. And so <laughs> I, I can't really afford my own editor. But I'm like, you know what? I can edit uh, other people's work really well. I should be able to do this. And I did miss things. And I actually released a second edition of the book like a week or two after I, I released it in, in October of 2021. Because I read through it and I went, oh no, there were some things. And I still miss stuff. I Book two was so obsessively edited and formatted and proofread. It had at least 15 or 16 pairs of eyes on it uh, before I felt it, maybe actually more, before I felt confident. I actually... Um, the week that it was uh, before it, it dropped, I had it on pre-order. And with KDP, like you have a period of time in which you can still make changes. And so two days before that that period ran out, because you, you have about a week before uh, the book releases where you can't touch it. And uh, so I like two days before that deadline, I sat down with a pen and a pad of, of sticky notes and the book. And I reread the whole thing from cover to cover and found still, I still found uh, five, five things, five or six that I needed to, because I, I sat down with the proof copy 
And I found like five or six things that I needed to change. And I changed them like the day, the day that was the last day that I could make changes. Because I, I wanted to make sure that, that this book was better than than the first one. And in fact, uh, the first one is getting a re-release because I want to reformat it. Um, the formatting was, that was my first book ever. I'd never formatted anything before. It does not look great. Um, and I'm getting a new cover um, because between when book one was published and book two was published, I went in another direction with cover designers. And and so uh, my new cover designer, Jen- uh, Juniper Lake Fitzgerald, uh, she's doing a new cover for, for Orchid. And speaking so, of, oh yeah, go ahead. Juniper, speaking of Juniper, you need to tell her to con or them. Um, I'm not sure what pronouns uh, are. Pronouns um, are her. Yeah, she heard. Her. Okay. Tell her that I have been trying to reach her to get her on the podcast. I will. Yes. I mean, I I've right now. her like several times. And yeah, so <laughs> I, I really, I mean, she had asked several months ago um, to hop on with me and I have not been able to get her on and I would love to get her on especially, yeah. especially to talk about covers because that yeah. is covers is one thing that i believe in wholeheartedly uh-huh. you are never going to convince me ever that readers are not cover judges they we do um we mm-hmm. judge covers i i have had I've had books where the blurb didn't really grab me, but the cover did. Yep. And I have had books where the blurb sounded really great, but the cover was crap. Yeah. <laughs> and if the cover, if the cover grabs me, whether the blurb sounds like something I would enjoy or not, chances are I'm going to read the book and I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah. But if the blurb sounds great and the cover is crap, the chances that I'm actually going to give the book a chance are very slim. And yeah. I judge me all you want to at me. <laughs> I, I am totally fine with that. Um, I it is a hill I am willing to die on. Um, we are cover judges, and and we can't help it. It's just it's just kind of who readers are. We just do that, and. So yeah, I would love to. Yeah, have, I would. I would love I, I'll DM on, her. So. Yeah, I I made a note like as we were sitting here because I, oh my god, I cried. I cr- literally cried when she sent me the the proof of of the cover because I when I first published I I had a front cover that was it because my then cover designer uh, does not do wraparounds which I don't blame him for at all because they're a pain in the butt. Um, but so I had a front cover. And then the spine and the back cover were just blue with the text. And it's fine. Like, the, the, the original cover for Orchid is absolutely gorgeous. It is, it is, um, I, I am, I'm very pleased with, with how it turned out. And, and I honestly will, will miss it when, when I do the redesign. But the cover that Juniper did for The Lion and the Dahlia it from front to back and on this spine it is gorgeous i mean it is a book and in fact if anybody's seen the paperback copy of it 
Um, the the front cover is uh, so Dorian and Leif are in a an observation deck that uh, they're able to see Jupiter from, um, and specifically the Great Red Spot. And uh, the way that Juniper designed the front cover, like you can tell that they're looking out a window. Well, then she took that that motif and put it on the back cover. So the blurb is inside another window. And it's, it's chef's kiss. I love it so much. And so I'm really excited. We've talked a little bit about like what we're going to do for, because we're going to continue with the silhouette motif that uh, had been established with the original cover for Orchid. Um, and, and part of that is that I am also a bit of a cover judger and I, it. it's hard not to, I be. can't help it. And I, for me, like for my books, because of what they are, I didn't want an illustrated cover where it was like two cartoon figures because it's very spicy. And I have seen people complain about the fact that, oh, I picked up this book because the cover was cutesy. And then 20 pages in, they're doing the most depraved things I've ever heard of. And I I didn't want that because I was going to be writing some of the most depraved things you've ever heard of. But I also didn't want, like, those sexy, like, bare chest, like, muscular dude covers. Because Dorian is they're a femme. normal people. <laughs> they're normal people. Dorian is a femme man who uh, I, I is not usually the kind of person that you put on, even though he's, he's beautiful, he's slender, he's, but he is a short dude. He's five, five. And he, he is, I could not imagine finding a, a stock photo that would encompass who he was as a person. And Leif is is a trans guy who is very masked. Like that's that's his whole thing. But I also I I didn't foresee being able to find a cover like a, like a, an image a stock image that would encompass who he was as a person either because they are their own sort of unique thing. And and so like I was like, what am I gonna do? Because I don't want I don't want either or. What's kind of in the middle? And I went oh, silhouettes which is uh, uh, what, what ended up being uh, the, the whole series, including the, the short story covers that I'm designing, they're going to be silhouette covers. I, I, have, I have an idea for one of the future books, which is, um, I should maybe back up a little bit. So this was originally supposed to be a trilogy. It's now, technically it's a, 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 a quartet because there's four main books uh that have a an overarching storyline but there is a fifth book that is going to be from another character's point of view that's what happened after the story of of the first four books and then there's a sixth book which is a big old happy ending which i'm really excited to write um but that i won't spoil anything for um, like the, the, the main series ends on a happy ending. Like, don't worry about that. But there's like a big event that happens, uh, in, in the sixth book. Um, I'm going to so guess that, a wedding. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying, I'm not saying nothing. I know, I know you won't say anything. I'm not but, saying nothing. But um, <laughs> when the book comes out, I want to be able to <laughs> reference this podcast this episode, episode. <laughs> and say, I called it. 
so yeah so that's um, I, that is my guess and I I've got you down in the pool parade when I'm right so <laughs> um but so that fifth book I actually did have a very funny idea for it to have a a mocking uh bodice ripper cover because I'm actually a real big fan of those I think they're great they're really fun um, and, and it's Peter's book. Uh, Peter Heath is, he's a very divisive character. Pam knows exactly who I'm talking about. You either love him or you hate him. There's really not an in-between. Um, and some people have switched sides um, from being, you know, team I hate Peter to being, okay, team Peter is good. So, but, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you for yeah. just a second. So coming from... And I, I'm not going to give too much context because the the whole point of teasing the books is so that yeah. people will read them. But I am one of those people that switched sides. And I will say that when you go from I hate Peter to Peter's okay, you're irritated with yourself for mm-hmm. thinking that Peter's okay. So it's not just that you all of a sudden love Peter and he's like this wonderful human being that everybody should just be in love with. You're, you're irritated that you like him because he is, because he is such, I mean, he really, he's such a divisive character and it's, you know, when you start out loving him and you keep loving him, that's, that's, one thing but when you're somebody like me who who switched sides it's really irritating that you felt like you had to switch sides <laughs> i got yelled at by a lot of people actually so far um including you've you've had andrew slindy on the show before uh he's one of my alpha readers and he got to a particular point in the book and because we can't swear i will not say the exact quote that he said but <laughs> you you bleep of a bleep I can't believe you made me care about this character. <laughs> and I, and if, if there's anybody, if there's anybody like me who knows exactly what the two bleeps stand for, <laughs> um, if, if you don't, um, I, I will family, family, familyize it and say, you son of a gun. Yeah. It's, um, it- it is so, very yeah. funny to see people who, because there are some people who even after book two still are not convinced, and that's fine. Like, I, my big thing is that they are judging him based on his initial actions and not on the growth that he's made, because he... He and Dorian are are very similar characters. Uh, Peter and Dorian were both raised with silver spoons in their mouth. Um, and uh, uh, they actually both have older sisters. Uh, and they both um, are were, were very closeted on Earth because you, you have to be. Um, for people who don't know, uh, in this series, uh, the, the space stations that are involved in this story are and Mars uh, are basically um, like havens uh, compared to Earth because Earth is under the grip of of what are called the purity laws. Uh, they are oh boy, uh, they are actually the way that I formulated them in my brain. They're not even as bad 
as some of the laws that we've seen happen in in recent years, especially reg regarding queer people and specifically trans people. Um, and so that terrifies me as a human being. Uh, but they they are uh, they they criminalize or they at least penalize people for being different. And uh, so Peter and Dorian were both very closeted. Um, and uh, Dorian left uh, uh, about a decade before the story starts. And so he's made a life for himself on Baldwin Station, whereas Peter stayed and Peter stayed in the closet. He he uh, he pretended that whole time he got married. He had a family. Um, you know, he he became very successful in business. And and uh, so so the two of them are actually very different characters but they're also very similar and one of the similar one of the differences i should say that they have is that peter didn't actually have to stay in the closet his family would have accepted him and he didn't know that and he was too afraid where and and he'll he'll never know that because his his parents passed away um before it ever you know before he ever had a chance to say anything um but his sister uh for one she she's a character in this series uh starting in around book two um, like she, she accepts him for who he is, and and is sort of like a representation of what his family would have been like. Whereas Dorian's family rejected him, and that's why he ran away. And so these two, these two guys have very um, similar backgrounds, but they, you know, Peter came from a family of love, whereas Dorian did not, and so that shaped who they were. But so did the fact that Peter stayed and hardened and and you know denied who he was for so long, whereas Dorian went and thrived and became who he was supposed to be. But they also both have a lot of growing to do uh, because of their traumas and because of like like who they became as people to sort of survive in the world. And so they're they're the characters that have the most growth. And people love Dorian immediately, and they hate Peter immediately. Or they're like, oh, I don't know about this guy. And one thing that that I've been, because I'm currently working on book three, um, The Dahlia and the Night, and I, I've been digging real deep into a lot of the things that, that have happened in Dorian's past and the ways that he is the way he is and the reasons why. And, and Dorian is a very toxic person, and it's something that my critique partner, Laura, and I have been talking about, about how he, Peter has been making up for all the things that he's done. Peter, Peter has been becoming a better man and has been, been learning how to, to be a friend and, and be a brother and, and you know, be somebody who, who uh, his parents could be extremely proud of, and uh, although he'll never know, sadly. Um, whereas Dorian hasn't quite, quite made up for all of the crap that he's put people through. And so for, for this, I, I'm curious to see what people's reactions will be to what happens in this third book, because it's, um, Dorian burning some bridges and having to rebuild them basically. And, and it's, uh, uh, at the same time that. Peter is is well on his way to proving that that he has at least in my mind that that he has grown as a person and and that like he he's earned that redemption arc um and in fact uh this is a, a this is a mild spoiler it doesn't really it, it comes up in the third book but um 
after some things that happen in the first book, uh, Lath is the, the point of view character in book two. And you find out in that book that uh, Lath forgave Peter for, for what happened in the first book. And that he didn't really do it for Peter. He did it for himself. He didn't want that anger. That's how oh, forgiveness should work. Yes. It's- and I actually, I have to, I have to give credit to both my critique partner and my friend Karima, who both uh, read through uh, the beta, the alpha and beta draft. Um, and we're like, hey, I think that this is how P- Leif should approach his forgiveness of Peter. I think, I think it's more realistic. I think it's more respectful. And I am so, so incredibly grateful to them for that. And, and cause you're right. It should be, it's not so much about the other person. It's about you and what you're, you're willing to live with and what you're willing to, to, to how you're willing to feel about things. And so you, you find out that Leif forgave him, but it was mostly for, for Leif's own well-being. And you, you find out in book three that Peter, that didn't sit right with him. He, he went, you know what? He forgave me for him. And I respect that, but I didn't earn that forgiveness. And now I need to. And so he, he does something, um, and that I'll, I'll keep a, a, a secret, but he, he does something to actually earn Leif's forgiveness. Because a big, big theme of that third book is going to be making up, making amends for the things that you've done and, and becoming a better person and, and being a person that has earned uh, not just forgiveness, but also um, that has proven that that you're you've become better, and that isn't just saying that you've become better. And so, uh, the the original point that I was making with Peter is that like he grows a lot as a character over the course of the series, and a lot of it he does under the radar because unlike Dorian, who's very showy and and very extra. Peter is much more reserved and and he's more behind the scenes. I'm going to do these things for the people that I love because I want them to know I love them, but I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. And he eventually gets his own book. Book five is going to be a, a book about Peter and how he helps uh, Baldwin Station rebuild after the events of the main series. And he gets uh, his, oh, I'm getting a weird, oh, there you are. Hi. Yeah, I, uh, I had, to, sorry, I had to turn my camera off and turn it back on yeah. because I was sitting looking at myself frozen for like two <laughs> And it was really irritating me. So fine. I, I just wanted to make sure the call hadn't figure, dropped. Like quietly fix it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm sorry to have interrupted you, but I no, do want fine. to bring up I do want to bring up a couple of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and because I I knew, I knew when I asked you to come on the show today that we were going to be talking about your books um, for like the whole entire time. Yes. Because I, you know, because I did have a chance to finally read them. And, you know, I, I want to say a couple of things mm-hmm, for the, for the readers out there who hear the term erotic romance and shy away from it because you know one of the things when I finished reading the orchid and the lion one of the things that you and I sat and talked about 
and you know we actually were on video chat at the time <laughs> for our other podcast i think it was um that has since fallen by the wayside but that's a whole other story sorry y'all um, <laughs> yeah. um sorry to our two listeners um but we we were on video chat and one of the things that i brought up was hey gabe i don't think that this counts as erotica because that was how you marketed it for so long yeah and that was one of the reasons why it took me so long to read it was because i was expecting erotica yeah and erotica and erotic romance are two very 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 different things and you know when you think erotica you think bodice ripping cover you think (laughs) you know pretty much every other scene is somebody ripping each other's clothes off or talking about body parts or you know all of that but you know when when i read the orchid and the lion within the first you know yeah there was there was a scene within the first probably 15 to 20 pages but then it was almost 150 pages more before there was more that is not erotica. No. So <laughs> I am not you know, good at marketing, y'all. If, <laughs> if you can't tell. And so, you know, one of the things that you said when we were talking about it was that you were going to to stop marketing it as erotica. And I thought that was a really, really good idea because it's not. Um, yes, there is spice. Yes, there is steam. Um, but there is so much more than that. And, you know, one of the things that really hit me when I was reading The Orchid and the Lion and then The Lion and the Dahlia was how real everybody was. And that's the second thing that I wanted to bring up for readers out there who just aren't sure whether you want to check the book out or not i i want to tell you that you should because they you know there's going to be someone in the book that you can relate to and it may actually not be the person you think it's going to be because i probably will not be the person Mm -hmm. that you thought I, when I started reading the book, I, you know, as much as I've heard you talk about Dorian, I was like, oh, I'm going to relate to Dorian, no problem. I didn't. I related more to Laith. Laith and I are very similar people. I'm, I'm short like Dorian. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm not tall, not muscular. I'm not a a trans dude, you know, any of that (laughs) stuff. But just the the way his outlook on life and the way that he views people and the way that he chooses to live his life are very similar to my attitude about things and the way that I choose to live my life. So, you know, you're going to find someone that you can relate to because they are real, real people. And that is one of the things that you, Gabe, are amazing at is you know you you want you want those real people you're you know and that's one of the things that you know when you're struggling with it you're gonna wait to publish the book 
mm-hmm. until those people are exactly who you want them to be. And if it takes you six months past your publication <laughs> to, to publish the book, then, you know, that's what you're going to do because you, and, you know, again, I've known you for a long time, but you would feel like it was, you were being, doing a disservice to your readers to not do that. It's very funny you say that because I actually had a situation the other day that just hits that nail on the head. So, uh, uh, because you're correct. I, I was supposed to have, uh, the line in the Dahlia out. I wanted to have it out in April of 2023 or no, sorry, 2022. Um, and it didn't come out until May of this year of, of 2023. And, uh, the reason for that was, uh, that I just struggled with that book so hard. I struggled to find Leif's voice. I struggled to figure out what the plot was supposed to be. I struggled to figure out, I had a cup. I had I had some characters who misbehaved, um, which I'm actually going to talk about in relation to this story. And so I I kept having to tell people, I'm sorry, like it's coming, I promise, but I will not release this book until I know that it's the story that I want to tell. And so uh, the the characters that refused to behave um, were Leif, who's the POV character in this book, and another character who I'm going to refer to as Sabri. Uh, her name is not originally that in the book, um, because this character, one of the things that she did to me and and made me rewrite this book uh, at least twice, because uh, I rewrote I rewrote it more than that. But her she was at fault twice. Uh, one of the reasons was because she went, oh, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm going to transition. And I went, oh, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, good for you. Happy for you. But um, <laughs> but so so the other thing that she did was that I put her and Leif in a scene. Uh, very early on I'm, in the so, book. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Can you move the microphone just a oh, yeah. little bit to your mouth? It's it's yeah, it's like it's like right here. You, I I don't want to tell you that you can't move the chair, but I can feel <laughs> your voice like fading oh, in and out. Oh so. yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm fidgeting. Um, you, you give me a swirly chair, and I'm just gonna swirl. Um, but so the other thing was that uh, you know, I put her and Leif in a scene very early in the book. And the chemistry was just off the charts. And for anybody who's read book one, you already know that this this story involves a polycule because Dorian doesn't just come to admit that he loves Leif. He also comes to admit that he loves this client of his that he's had for a while, Kenny. Um, And so there was already going to be a polycule. And and when I put her and Leif in a scene, I went, oh, no, babies, no, because I had to rethink her whole entire character. And uh, so... When I, uh, like, I, I had a full alpha draft that uh, I sent to my my three forever alphas, my friend Andrew, my friend Parker, and my friend Sonia. And uh, I sent it to them, and they gave me copious notes, a whole ton of feedback. Here's what's work. Here's what doesn't. Here's what I would change, you know. And then I sent it to my critique partner, Lore. And they got not even through the whole thing, and they went, no, 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 no. We we gotta work on this because this is not this is not it. And I I was frustrated because I was like, oh my god, I just want to be done with this book. But we worked together. I worked with her and the alphas and and some other people that I I was chatting with, and we sat down and we discussed a whole bunch of stuff like the things that that I should be changing. And one of them was Sabri as a character, her personality. Because when I when I write a book, especially if there's a romantic pairing involved, what tends to happen, we call it Leif syndrome, 
The first draft love interest is not interesting. They are basically there to help me flesh out the main character. And then I have to go back and I have to rework their character so that they become the love interest that that the character deserves and also that the readers deserve. And so I I recently, my friend Karima, uh, who I, I mentioned earlier, um, she loves Lathan Sabri. Like, they are her favorite couple in the series. And she learned that there was a there was an, uh, an earlier draft that had a lot more between the two of them. And she's like, oh, my God, I need to read this. Send it to me. So I sent her the alpha draft. And the whole time she was like, oh, my gosh, this is not my Sabri. Like, this is not my girl. Like, what? why is she <laughs> like this? And and I, I said to her, I was like, look, the process that I went through in order to bring this book out was so long and so draining and so, so difficult. But in the end, the book is better than the original story. Like the the original book is great. I, I am so proud of Orchid. But part of why I'm re-releasing it is because there's stuff that I would like to fix, like some some things that I've learned as a writer to do better. The story is not changing. Um, I will be adding one or two new scenes, um, but part of that is for funsies, and part of it is because there were some things that I learned about the characters in in writing book two that I want to make sure don't get lost in in that first story. Um, and so I, she said to me, she goes, I never realized, I don't think, what what it takes to bring a story out. Like I never, cause she's an artist, but she doesn't write. And she's like, I never knew the process. I've, she had ne- never seen the sausage get made, so to speak. And the, the compliment that I get most from readers is how real those characters feel. And that like, I, a couple of people have said to me, like, I want to be best friends with like everybody in these books. Right? And it's because yes. I am obsessed with these characters. Like, they are my comforts. Like, they are how I'm partially getting through this crazy time that we're living in is by by creating and molding and getting to know these characters. And there's such deep stuff under the surface of all of them that may never get put out in, in the stories because writers should know everything about their characters. Readers don't need to. It should inform what the characters do, how they act, etc. But I I cannot write a story about characters I don't care about. I can't write a story about characters who are just kind of wooden cardboard cutouts because I don't want to read those stories. And first and foremost, I'm writing these books for me. Like, yes, I'm writing them for all of you, and I'm really, really, really grateful and appreciative of the people who I've met through through being an author and for the reviews and the ratings that I've gotten. But at the end of the day, I want to be proud of this product. And I, I say product, that sounds terrible, but I want to be proud of these stories. And I, I refuse to put something out that I have not obsessively made sure is good. And it's rare for a sequel to be better than the first book. It's extremely unlikely, in fact. Um, and somebody had said, like, usually you read a sequel and you're chasing the high of the first book and it never quite measures up but that this one the the, the line in the dahlia 
that it it took everything they loved about the first book and then it ramped it up to 11 and made something very new and very fresh and very uh, satisfying. And I I am sitting here as I work on book three, like terrified that I'm not going to measure up to that. But then I realized through some very, very long conversations that I've had with other people, including Lore, that it doesn't have to measure up to the second book. It just has to be a fully realized story in and of itself, and that it has to be moving the series along. And it, whether or not it's better, quote-unquote, than the second book isn't as important as does it tell the story that these characters need at the moment? And so I, I fought this idea that Dorian was still going to be struggling. I was like, no, he's gone through so much. Like, I really, really want him to be in a better place. And he is in a better place, but he kind of screws it up a little bit. Because, as Laura was saying, like, he hasn't yet faced consequences for the way that he's treated people over the years and for the things that he has done. He's he's very much coasted by. And, and in fact, Laith points that out at one point in the third book. And he has to be that better man if he's going to be able to get through what the fourth book is going to put them all through. And so when I work on on these characters, when I try to develop these scenes and their dialogue, like I make them as real as humanly possible. I, I want them to sound like real people. It's why they get their own voice um, I, I recently was talking to my friend Mitch, who has not read the books yet, um, but I had shared a snippet of something from book three. Um, and then we were in a, a writer's meeting recently where we were like critiquing people's stuff. And I shared another snippet. And, and the difference between the way that Dorian talks and the way that Leif talks and the way that Frank, the inadvertent alien, oh, I can't say that word, darn it. There's a, an alien who looks like a specific object who I didn't mean for him to look like a specific object. Y'all are going to have to read the book to get it. But, um, like, they all talk very differently, and so their dialogue feels more real and not forced. And while there are things that I struggle as struggle with as a writer and that I know I'm not great at, there are things that I know I am, and those things are in regards to the characters. And and so your original point as to you know, this book isn't erotica, it's it's not. <laughs> and I... No, it, it's not. And that's, I, I think for a lot of, you know, I... I needed to bring that up and yeah. we're we're down to about 10 minutes left, but yeah. I I needed to bring it up because I know that there are people out there that have hesitated to read mm -hmm. the book for that very reason. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, from someone like me who mm. reads very little erotica um i've actually read more in the past month um <laughs> you're welcome I, i've been doing the i've been doing the kobo the kobo summer reading challenge and that's almost all that's available on kobo right now 
Yeah. Um, and I've and I've read some really really good ones. Mm. Um, but um, there's one one trilogy in particular that I will um, bring up. But um, but I I don't read a whole lot of erotica, and you know I I tell people that I am probably the best person to listen to right. on why you should read the book. Um, not because Gabe and I are best friends and, you know, we're like favorites of each other, but because it's not a book that I would typically read. So the fact that you made me fall in love with the book, you made me fall in love with the characters and, you know, you basically made me bring up the fact that, hey, this is not erotica. <laughs> you know, the the fact that I love the book when it's a genre that I would not typically read, yeah. that is high praise. And I am not just saying that to brag, um, but it's, it's a fact. I mean, yeah. it, it just, it, it's a fact. It's taken me a long time because the book has almost been out two years and it's taken me a long time for me to be able to accept that I actually did write a good book. And that a lot of that is imposter syndrome and a lot of that is my own self-confidence issues. I've mentioned before that Dorian and I are broken in the same ways and that is absolutely one of those ways in which we're broken. But it, it the, the part of what really helped me to go, oh, hey, I actually did something here was the fact that not only did you read the book, you gushed about it to me in my DMs. Oh, but I still do. I, and I you still, still do. do. All the time. Yeah. And it's, it's I've, I've had people read it that I never expected to and enjoy it. And I, I will say that I have people who read it who skip the spicy bits. Like, you're going to know when they're happening. Like, it's very clear <laughs> that something's going <laughs> to go down. But, uh, you know, I, I do take time and effort and and... I, I, you know, weave story and, and, you know, the plot development and character development into those scenes because they are an important part of these characters' lives. You know, it's their job, first and foremost. It's how they, how the main characters connect with each other for a second thing. And for a third, I, I had, I had written an, an essay or an article for a friend's blog uh, last year about how, especially in a time like this, Writing stuff like that, especially with queer characters, is an act of protest. It's saying, hey, we're here. Our bodies are our own. You cannot tell us what to do with them. And so, like, that part, the spice is part of the narrative for a very important reason. And it doesn't just, it's not just because I really enjoy writing it. It's, this is something that we're living in an era where we're being told that our bodies are not our own. And not just queer people, women and and other marginalized groups, people of color, and and a lot of us of all these different marginalized groups are saying, hey, you know what? No, we're 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 gonna push back on that because that's not cool. Um, and so that's that's a big part of why this story ended up being what it is because it could have just been these two dudes meet and they get spicy and that's it. But the bigger narrative of them fighting against purity, fighting against fascism developed as I wrote the first book because we're dealing with it in real life and I needed I needed a story that was both enjoyable but also had a message 
of hope and of, hey, we actually can right the wrongs that are being done. We can fix the things that, that have gone wrong and we do it together and we do it by being ourselves. And so like, if you want to skip those bits, that is totally fine. I won't stop you. I have friends who have, but if you go, you know what, maybe, maybe I'll try them. (laughs) And it was, and it was so funny. And we, we're probably going to end up going over the hour, like 10 or 15 minutes. I'm so sorry guys, but I'm not sorry. Um, (laughs) But you know, one of the things that, you know, I told you at one point when I was reading the book, because, you know, you and I have a, a Discord server that uh-huh. it's it's pretty much like our little private server. Nobody else is on this server. And it's, you know, just kind of a way that you and I keep in touch. And, you know, we will throw up messages on there. Um, and knowing the other one's going to see him eventually and just you know it's just kind of our our way of um you know keeping in touch with each other and and keeping up with each other's lives and one of the things that i told you was i'm halfway through and i didn't have to skip any spicy bits uh-huh. <laughs> and you know i i was so proud of myself <laughs> for for not skipping yeah. any spicy bits because that was one of the reasons that I read the book was you had given me permission to do yeah. that and you know I was like I didn't even have to skip any spicy bits and you literally told me that is the highest praise you could give me <laughs> basically yeah well and I, like, and I know that I write those well like that is another of my strengths um as a writer which is funny because that was the first book I ever wrote anything like that for I'd never tried that before in my life um but I also I'm I'm in that community like I I know I'm not gonna raise any other titles I won't throw shade on other authors but there are people who have never been in that sort of relationship who have never been in that sort of situation who have written some stuff that is not actually true to life and is is actually abuse is is really what it is. Looking at you, giant franchise that got three movies, four possibly. I, I, I was just sitting. I was just sitting here thinking of that same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I, I can't even watch the movies. I read the books and I, I got, enjoyed I four, the books at the time. But then realize later, I'm like, ew, no. I got four chapters in and I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was like, this is, this is just not okay. Um, but so, so I, I know that I'm good at writing those scenes and they're fun and they're unique. And, and like, I've introduced some people to some stuff they had never heard of before. Uh, which was actually that those are some of the most fun DMs that I get is, oh, hey, I had never heard of this. Um, but I, I, I put the same care into those scenes that I do with the others and, and I weave their personalities and I weave their, their wants and their fears and their desires into those scenes because it's part of life. Like it's part of being a person. There are people who they don't want any of that. Like there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but there are people for whom that is their reality and that is something that is part of their relationships. And it, it, I wanted it to come across that like, these are people who 
they care about each other. They care about about um, you know each other outside of this, but this is part of who they are, and and they they do it in lovingly and respectfully. And so it it I, again, I don't mind if people skip them. They're real good. They're really they're just real good. <laughs> like, I'm very proud of those. Um, but it's it's. I, I wanted to create something where, because I'm of the mindset that I would love to see spicy stuff be uh, more common in in fiction and not, so you see a lot of literary fiction where the characters are really not into it and it's very wooden and it, it feels really forced and like, you know, the author was just throwing it in there either for shock value or because they felt that it was, you know, necessary the story or whatever, but it never comes off well. Um, and, or you have situations where like, that's all the story is and, and people won't touch it with a 10 foot pole. Cause they're like, Oh, I can't read that. I just want that to be normalized. Like I want it to be, Something that if you choose not to read those books, that's up to you. That is your prerogative. But if people want a story that also includes that aspect, that there is stuff they can find that isn't, you know, just that, that that actually is people saving the world or, you know, people growing or or whatever as people, um, you know, and that also happens. Um but so yeah, I I I it, it took a while for me to go. Oh hey, I've I've done something, and I I'm very bad at taking compliments. Um, I've gotten better. I no longer hide in my shirt whenever I get one. Um, and it's it's only been in the last like three four months, especially now that the second book is out, that I've been able to admit that oh hey, I'm actually a decent writer, and and it still feels weird to say that because like I I don't I don't want to sound egotistical and that's part of why I highlight the the flaws that I have as a writer my descriptions could use some work I sometimes forget to do them there's some uh, uh, empty room syndrome that my critique partner has to help me work through but I also know that because I've had conversations with people who've said the way that you talk about your writing online and how honest you are about the struggles that you have with it, as well as the triumphs, have made it easier for me as a writer or as an artist or whatever to go, you know what, this isn't perfect yet, but if I work at it, it can get better, which has been honestly one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. Um, I, one of, the, one of the things that um, I had up on my website for a while was we rise when we lift others. Yeah. And, you know, one of the one of the ways and you and I, we've talked about this before, um, but we are both twos on the Enneagram. Yeah. And if you've never taken the Enneagram, if you are not aware of what it is, um, the it's a personality archetype uh, similar to Myers-Briggs, but it is a lot more in depth and it goes mm-hmm. more into the core of who you are. And it goes to things that, you know, back to your childhood and how you would have acted 
adapted as a child and what how you would have grown and how you would have evolved over time. And it's very, very, very in-depth. I mean, there are people who um, study it so much that they are actually coaches that will actually work through you know, finding out what your number is, finding out what that means for you, finding out how, you know, because of your number, how you interact with other people and how you interact with yourself. And it's just, it's very, very, very in-depth. And the the two is the helper. And um, it's helping people and doing things for people is literally at the core of who we are. Yeah. And it's, I mean, sometimes to our detriment, (laughs) sometimes to our detriment because you're, I mean, literally as a two, your first thought is how can I help you? And you, you know, you offer to help sometimes when you have no clue what you're doing, you, you want to (laughs) help. And that is, how I have grown the picky bookworm. That is how I have chosen to run my company. And it's, it is literally at the core of who I am. And part of that help and part of that choosing to lift others so that we all rise together is a lot of that. A part of that is being transparent. And a lot of that is, being authentic and saying this is me flaws and all and you know it's if I can help somebody else by sharing my struggle then I'm going to do that if I can help somebody else through sharing my triumph I'm going to do that it's how can we help you and you know, I I think that is how you have connected, and I am going to say mm-hmm. it. You can just suck it up. We are your fans. We are oh, your fans. We're not just your readers. We are your fans. Um, rabid fans. Um, <laughs> but that, you know, and that is how you and I have grown our friendship, yeah. is we help each other. Um And, you know, a lot of times my helping you is, hey, take five minutes for yourself. (laughs) I I don't care. You know, I I think at one point I set homework for you and I was like, okay, over the next week week, on three separate occasions, take at least five minutes and do something nice for yourself. And, you know, that that's that is just who we are and it's how we choose to lift the world and how we choose to embrace who we are and you know by by helping it's i mean that's just it's it's weird to you know when i first learned that i was a 2 I I felt so validated. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it was, oh my God, that's the, okay. That's why I am the way that I am. And just learning how to incorporate that knowledge into my daily life and learning how to use that to 
build my company and, you know, I, I say company, I've had to teach myself to use the term company rather than small business because mm-hmm. to me saying that you are a small business owner, it sounds small. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, yes, I am a sole proprietor and yes, I pretty much do everything myself. My husband helps when he can. Right. Um, but calling it a company is my way of saying I'm here to stay y'all I'm not yeah, going any the mindset and, yeah you know it's that mindset of this is my company yeah. and this is not you know and by calling it a small business it's it makes me feel like I'm diminishing the importance mm. of what I'm doing it's I I you were talking about the the uh uh being a two and I was my brain was going a mile a minute because my critique partner had never heard of this before I'm not a fan of of Myers-Briggs neither are they uh but they were very curious about about the Enneagrams and so I sent them a website they actually dug and found a different one um and they took the test and they were like oh my gosh this is actually I I really like this Well, so they did it with all of their characters. They have not published yet. They are the kind of writer who they're going to get everything done in their series. And then they're going to start working on, like, getting getting it out there. Um, Which I cannot do, (laughs) as we all know. Um, But uh, they did it with all of their characters. And we're we're really shocked at how uh, uh, accurate to to these people they had created these these numbers were and i've been sitting here because i was like who in my books is a two because i'm i i keep meaning to go and do this and maybe that's what i'll do for part of today is i'll go and take the enneagram thing for for the my thought was peter i think well my my thought was peter too but leif leif is a helper but i think he's got some wings he's either a two he's either a two a four or a nine we know that Dorian's so, a five. It's not going to be any shock that Dorian's a five. <laughs> I already know it. But I'm I'm going to be, I'll be curious to see. And I'll, I'll probably, what I'll do is I'll make little uh, Instagram posts about about who who's what. Because um, I, I, I am. You a page on your website for that. Too. I should, I should, I took a week off from my quote unquote real job. I say real job. I tutor for like four hours a week. But I also like, I'm basically their beck and call for the hours that I have available in case someone needs a session. So those hours are not really mine just in case. And my ADHD fights against that. So I don't get a lot done those days. So I took a week off, but I was so burned out that I just sort of collapsed. Um, So I didn't get everything done that I wanted to, but my website is up and running. It is Oh, it's gorgeous. I am. Oh, I'm, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I will. I will sing Squarespace's praises. It was so easy. I. I. Squarespace hit me up. I will do promos for you. Um, and I. But I haven't done much with it. And I do want to. And and because I was going to do a personality quiz this month, uh, for which character are you? And I still kind of want to do that. So maybe. I had been writing this morning, but you've you've kind of made me think that maybe I should take some time today and work on some other stuff. Um, but yeah, do a page oh, with, darn. with like the fun, darn it. 
um, <laughs> to to do a page with with some more like fun stuff on the website so that people have stuff to look at. But I do want to put them up on on Instagram because I'm trying to use that more, especially with Twitter being Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I, I will share with you when I get those results, I will share with you because you know these characters now um, who got what because I am I'm I'm so curious now. Um, yeah. I, I we should probably wrap up as I would I could literally I, talk I about this for three hours. Say, we got, we um, have about five. We have about four minutes before the, the hour yes. and 15 minutes. So, so I will, yeah, up. the website was, was sort of like a good way to segue. Um, I yes. do have a website. I, I have a card too. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that first because it has all of my stuff. So it's Gabriel. Actually, let me check this. Um, it is, I think it's Gabriel Hargrave. Hold on. I think it's Gabriel Hargrave, right? Right. Yeah. C-A-A-R-D dot oh, no. C-O. So it's Gabriel Hargrave writes dot, dot, blah, one second. Gabriel Hargrave writes dot C A R R D dot C O. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. yeah, I know it's weird. So close. So, but <laughs> on there you will find um, all of my links to my social media, my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, my TikTok. I never use. It's got my website. It's got still has a link to Podcast Forty Seven if you want to go listen to those back episodes. It has um, my Patreon. Um, which uh, uh, is a good time when I remember to update it. Um, it has a link to my Redbubble store. I'm still trying to think about where to move because Redbubble is kind of an issue, uh, especially with the fees that they're now taking from creators. Um, but I do have official merch. Um, usually it's the Team I Hate You Peter stuff that I sell most of. <laughs> um, I have my Kofi coffee, whatever it is on there, but I also have links to... All of my uh, my work so available for your perusal. Um, we have The Orchid and the Lion, which is the first book in the Odal series, as well as the sequel, The Lion and the Dahlia, which just came out in May. Um, I have two short stories that are out there, The Things We Pretend and The Observation Deck. Those are both available on Amazon as short stories. The Observation Deck is currently available on KU. The Things We Pretend is not. I took that off of there um, and I put it up on Itch.io, um, which I should update my card with that link. Um, so that, because uh, the KU page reads, especially for short stories, it's just not worth it. I was making like $0 on, on that short, um, which as much as I love sharing my stories with you, it's also kind of how I make a living. Um, so my short stories will be coming down off of KU and will be going other places. I'm hoping Google Play as well as some others, um, but that'll eventually all be on the card and on the website. I have a link to The Orchid's Lion, which is an unfinished uh, non-canon Kindle Vela serial um, that will eventually get finished probably. And then I have a link to Between Desire and Satisfaction. It is a collection of short erotic stories and poems that I put out last year in, I believe, November. I, I look at what I've released and I'm shocked. Like, I keep forgetting that I've done so much and that I have more to come. Um, but I, so so that's all on my card um, and including the website, uh, which, like I said, I'm, it's the best website I've ever had. I've had like two different websites since I've become an author. And this is my third and this is the one that I'm sticking with because it's, it's glorious. 
Um, and I actually did it. Like, I was shocked how easy it was <laughs> to put this together. And yes, and I am super excited because you're going to let me write a guest post at I some am. point. Yeah, we're going to be doing a guest so post with each other. Um, yeah, I haven't done much with my blog on there, and I do need to. But I, I have ADHD, and I have workaholism, and I am an editor, and I, you know, I'm also working on on this book and a couple other projects that are are in the wings. Um, that, uh, including, there's a, a shorter piece. I don't know if it's going to be a short story or a novella. Uh, there's a a thing that's going to come out in between book two and book three that is uh, focused on Sabri and Leif and on Dorian finally coming to terms with the fact that uh, Leif is in a relationship with what used to be his rival and the two of them sort of coming to an understanding with each other, um, which is I'm very excited that. about. Oh, I'm so excited but, because. Yes. Yes. I, you're super, super excited. I get it, but. I can't help it. We, I know, yeah. we we are pretty much, we went over 15 minutes, and <laughs> yeah. um, I I don't want to, no. um, I know listeners are going to absolutely love this episode, but I don't want to go over too much, so no, no, no. Um, we're going to have to cut this short, um, but um, I'm sure next time I need and for the moment, yes, <laughs> you'll probably be back on. So um, it has yes. been a blast as usual. I can't yes. wait to get ready and get it posted up. Um, I will have a show notes page with um, a place where you can listen. I will have links to Gabe's card, um, links to all of his books, um, his website, all of that stuff. So check out the show notes, uh, check out his card and um, other than that, thank you so much for being available. Yes, thank you for <laughs> so having happy. me. I love talking to you. I miss I miss doing podcasts with you. I know. Um, we we're gonna have to start doing that again soon. But um, mm-hmm. for now, I I'm gonna say so long, and I will talk to you soon. Yeah, bye. Bye.